We are traveling once again, listeners, this time back to Puerto Rico for the first time in, I think, a few seasons to sit down with an award-winning tech entrepreneur, Michael Brooks. It's Friday, so I am in a great mood, plus these episodes release, so welcome to the weekend. My name is Vincent A. Lancy, and welcome back to That Entrepreneur Show. Thank you for joining us, and if it is your first time, this is the show where I interview founders of companies or brands from around the world to help you on your journey, and you never know which motivational journey is going to resonate with you most. Today's guest's perspective is that success doesn't happen without risk, but with the right approach and some luck, it's possible to minimize the risks while maximizing your chances for success. Michael Brooks is a strong believer in harmony, teamwork, loyalty, and partnership. He has spent years building successful companies with remote freelance talent and implementing strategic solutions through digital marketing and electronic payments. As founder of award-winning online freelance marketplace, Go Lance, Michael has made it his mission to help others by finding new business solutions through digital marketing and electronic payments. Michael has also published two books focused on digital marketing strategy for e-commerce businesses and one book on remote businesses. Stay tuned for an episode on writing with authors. I would love to have him on the YouTube series as well. But for today, some other areas of discussion, of course, are going to include electronic payments, digital currency, remote work entrepreneurship, homeschooling, parenting, and so much more. But I'm about ready to kick off this show. And this week for the Spotlight Story near the halfway point, since we have an all-star e-commerce entrepreneur on the show, we're going to touch on a few businesses and an article that looks at 17 examples of successful e-commerce businesses thriving towards 2022. And then we'll get Michael's take on it. I'm sure he's familiar with some But Michael, let's jump right into it. Why did you become an entrepreneur? What led you to entrepreneurship? Please share that story. Thanks. Thanks, Vincent. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Happy to be part of the program. I appreciate it. Um, It was just kind of natural. It seemed like it was just kind of baked into my family. We were always, uh, money was always a conversation. Making money was always a conversation. School was, academics was never nearly uh, as important and I was never had much of an interest in it. Um, it was always focused on, you know, if you have an idea, figure it out. Um, that's, uh, that's, that didn't come from, I mean, I've had family members that were exceedingly successful and some that were, um, you know, constantly up and down, always trying a new thing, but somehow made it work. But it was always about, uh, it was always about, Hey, you know, don't, don't wait until, you're uh, you're out of college to figure out how to make and manage a dollar. So it, it was very very young, um, dog walking, selling candy, that type of stuff, you know. And then just kind of evolved as a it was a. This segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders, a small business startup specialist. Start, build, manage. A, a natural thing. Then I just don't. I don't fit very well into corporate uh, corporate culture. I tried for a very short time, and it just it just did wasn't a good look on me. Um, some people are great at it, and I have some very dear friends that uh, that do really well moving through those ranks. Um, it's just not it's just not me, and um, I believe uh, entrepreneurialism is uh, the closest thing you can get in this world to freedom. 
and the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. But, uh, you know, the one thing you mentioned that the beginning was about risk. I don't think anything is good without risk. Have you ever enjoyed anything without risk? I mean, there's, uh, you know, think of, uh, there's absolutely nothing in life you can truly enjoy and indulge in without some type of risk. A nice, a nice uh, dessert, right? Like you run the risk of gaining a little weight, right? Um, I feel sex the same way. Like, has sex ever been really good without risk? I don't know. How does that translate to entrepreneurialism? I don't know. I find that the libido beautifies everything, but it can also destroy everything. But if you can tap into that beautiful power and uh, with the right amount of risk, you can make something really exciting. Now, I'm a happily married man, but so uh, the risk is... is uh, is, is not quite there with uh, anyone who's been married 13 years, but you can keep things very exciting by pushing yourself in your career, in your business, in your life. And that generates the type of risk to beautify every other aspect of your life. A lot of great points there. Thank you for kicking us off. Have an idea, figure it out. If that's not the entrepreneurial mindset, then I'm not sure what is. <laughs> candy bars, all that young stuff. I love sharing our stories as, the guests who come on the show are early entrepreneurs, shoveling driveways, raking leaves, all of that good stuff. Young entrepreneurial endeavors, getting that mindset there. And, and I pass that on to my kids as much as I can. You know, I don't look at my son as much of an entrepreneur at this part in life. Right. He, uh, it's just not his thing. He's right. very much more an academic. I try to foster that. I, I want him to be who he is. My daughter, on the other hand, when she was turning 10 she was still nine right right uh, when covid hit she developed her first business and we've been homeschooling for years so it was like all right nothing else focus on your business figure out if you can put up numbers um and she she did her biggest month selling cookies she made two thousand dollars net so she understood her cost of goods she understood everything but before she started her business it was the the interesting thing. We have a hammock here in Puerto Rico where we where we, we hang out. And she liked to come and tell me all her ideas. Daddy, I have this idea. I have this idea. Well, this is what I'm going to do. And she started talking about her business as if it already existed. Um, and all these ideas of as things already existed. And I would indulge and entertain her a little bit. And finally, I said, sweetheart, I don't want you to tell me about these ideas anymore. Either you're going to make a product and sell a product or you're another loser entrepreneur who has an idea that's never going to do anything. So either make something and sell something or go back to playing with Barbie dolls. And that was a lot of cold water for a little girl. And uh, she had a few tears with it, but then she went and put her, kicked her ass into gear and started her business, got up. I mean, she would be up at six 30 in the morning making cookies. She found a distributor. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think there's any time that's too young to start. Uh, and I think there's a lot of academics in entrepreneurialism. There's a lot of academics in experience um, just from making recipes, doubling recipes. Of course, I did a lot of the delivering. We live in a little golf cart community. So I delivered a lot of cookies for her. She wasn't ready to drive that, drive that yet. But what she could do, she did. And she, when she, she put her focus in the right thing, it worked out. Uh, it worked out really well. I love that teaching important lessons at a young age. A lot of things can only benefit her knowing so young 
She's going to keep broadening her horizons. And as she gets older, has more capital. Who knows what she's going to invent? Sounds like she'll have to come on this show at one point. Give her some marketing love for her businesses. But with all the bright spots in entrepreneurship, all the ups, there's also the harder parts, the downs. What are some of the harder parts, the more challenging areas of entrepreneurship for you? Hiring. Hiring and working with the right people. And then once you find the right people and amazing people, um, figuring out how to meet them where they are and understand that you may believe you're right and you might be right or you might be wrong. Um, but learning how to communicate with people the way they need to be communicated with. And I have a practical application for that. Like we, we, we focus heavily on culture at our company, GoLance, and we'll do company culture surveys, but then I'll also do individual surveys and tests and learn how I communicate and like ways of that, that work best with me. And then I'll send the results to people I work with that are very close to me, that are very important. And then I'll have them fill that out and then I'll find out the best ways to work with them. Right. So the, right. The, the challenge when, when you, when you've made it over the entrepreneurial hump and you've, you know, making revenue and you're building a business, it's, I mean, the, the, the number one challenge is always finding and working with the right people. But that means you have to be the most workable. If you're going to be a business leader, you have to be the most workable. I believe in this day and age, um, or create a culture where, you know, you're just a dictator and everybody follows your rule. That's another way to go about it. And I'm sure that works for some people, but it really depends on the business and depends on the geography and, and who you're working with and where you're working. I like a culture. Um, I like a culture of love where people are, where people are, uh, have passion and purpose with the things that they do. And that seems to be, uh, the number one driver, not only of, of, uh, of happiness within the workplace and culture yep. but to the bottom line and the results have proven that out. I recommended a book, um, firms of endearment. And that's, uh, that's different companies that have focused on passion and love and how that has turned into a multiple far greater than the S and P and good to great companies. I love that. Later in the show, we're going to have to ask you for a different resource. I always try to give the audience as much value as possible. You've just given them an incredible recommendation. Everyone stick around to the end to find out even more recommendations from today's great guest. But while we're on the topic of helping our audience, the challenging parts of entrepreneurship, what is one of your greatest lessons learned in entrepreneurship here, Michael? Um, so the... the the greatest lesson probably earned, and I'm probably not alone in the world where most entrepreneurs uh, learn their greatest lessons from their greatest failures. Um, and it usually is around people. Uh, and it's, it's about self-reflection and humility that to be, and I wrote an article about this a long time ago. I called it the articles. It was called boss but as an acronym for business owner success syndrome. And that, uh, you know, just because you can, you can turn a dollar into $2. It, uh, there's limitations on the value of a person that can do that. Um, it, life is, is, is worth more. So humility 
and uh, business leadership and and business leadership and, and being a president or CEO or or what have you um, is more about uh, being humble and meeting people where they are and finding out what finding out how to selflessly elevate others and help others grow then that that return that's got a great return um the the strategic you know the the whole strategic this is business this is how it's done that shit is out the fucking window and it has no place in 2022 it really doesn't it, it's it's about authenticity and honesty and decency and genuinely caring about the people that you work with but trying to pigeonhole other people and force them into a position, uh, that, that's all nonsense. Um, strong negotiations, that's all nonsense. Stoicism. Figuring out how to do the right thing, even when you don't feel like people have treated you the right way, that's the goal, right? Is there one learned way of doing that? No, because each situation is different. And that doesn't mean um, be a pansy and buckle. Be tough, but once you find yourself in a position of omnipotence, it, it, it's about being, it's about being treating people right and uh, doing right by people who have maybe even not done right by you. Relationships, company culture, these are all things that help lead successful companies. Times have changed, just as he said, and certain things aren't as effective anymore. Great advice there. But before we get into the best resource he can recommend, which entrepreneurs he would like to sit down with, and the best piece of advice he was ever given. We're going to stop quick for the spotlight story. And as we have this e-commerce expert on the show today, we're going to look at a write-up that looks at 17 other e-commerce businesses and get our guest take on their structure, how they're running, any ideas on their success. One in the article is Warby Parker. And in 2008, MBA student Neil Blumenthal proposed to three friends that they could begin an online eyewear company. At the time, eyewear was expensive. Luxottica controlled the vast percentage of the marketplace, 80% of the significant eyewear brands in the world by 2014. It took him and his friends a few years to put their idea into practice, but they opened the Warby Parker website in 2010. Although they faced a lot of problems, they hit their first year sales target in just three weeks. Since then, the company has thrived. They design their frames, source raw materials, and work directly with manufacturers and offer a free try-on service along with free shipping. Another e-commerce store that was built is Lisa, which is an online mattress retailer with a mission to help people sleep better. Their first successful mattress offered a, quote, universal adoptive feel that adjusted to bodies of all shapes, sizes, and sleeping styles. And as I said, they built an online store so potential customers could avoid the hassle of traditional mattress showrooms. And something they did to stick out was offer a 100-night free trial for their mattresses. I learned that they have found the importance of identifying where customers are in the buying cycle for their bed as people only buy a new mattress once every five to 10 years, which means people tend to research more for their mattress than they do for most other products. And I want to just touch on one more uh, e-commerce build, and we'll get our guest take on these companies. This one is Edible Arrangements. A lot of us have heard of that. They sell the fresh arra fruit arrangements. Excuse me. Although they have 1,200 stores and 11 marketplace, the majority of their orders actually come online. The main driver for repeat business, the article says, is email marketing. 
They use emails to drive customer engagement, loyalty, and revenue. Michael, what do you take away from these e-commerce monsters? Um, well, I think they did their research. You know, the last one that you, uh, the, the last one you mentioned is interesting because the, the majority of their sales come from online, but they have, how many stores did you say? 1200 stores, edible arrangements. 1200 stores. And I think the, the, like the entire e-com retail scenario has flipped, right? It used to be about 10 to one. And that was, if you saw something on an infomercial, um, and then like, if you saw the thigh master on the infomercial and then it showed up in Walmart for every one person that, that called in, uh, 10 people would buy it at Walmart. That scenario has been going, uh, going down, down, down. And I think it's completely inverted. And now the, the live stores feed the branding. It makes it very easy for somebody to, to come in and test and try something. And then when they find a taste for it, they just buy it online. Um, so I would look at those 1200 stores as, as branding and sales and marketing, just as much as I'd look at their email marketing. Um, and that's, that creates brand trust and brand loyalty. And it uh, creates a marketplace where people can taste and test things without going online and buying. And it's a very interesting strategy. Um, the, the glasses, I, I, I remember that, that glasses company, I heard a TED Harvey, talk yeah. about somebody who didn't invest in them and he felt like an idiot, but it was all about procrastination. It was all about how that glasses company had procrastinated and how it was a good thing. So they took their time. They took a very long view. They, they took their time with the measurements. They took their time on, uh, I think, even coming up with the name. Um, so all that procrastination, like they were raising money before they had a name. So all that procrastination was really giving them time to think. So if you set a goal, I mean, you don't want to just completely, uh, you know, for, forget to do something. But uh, if you set a goal and, and and you give your time to find the right, uh, the right solutions as part of that goal, I think that's a good thing. Uh, you want to be careful, but I think that's 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 what one of their wins in that story. Um, and then Lisa, the mattress store. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, I would go to a company I was looking at, or I was looking at a company that we use called Ask Wonder. And it's a research company. It's, a, it's like a research marketplace. So they've got researchers from all over the country and it's really smart. It's really effective. Um, like if you, you, you run a scenario, you say how many people uh, buy mattresses online versus stores? What's And like, you can ask these questions and then all these researchers will spit out a report. And I can't tell you how valuable those reports are. Yeah. Extremely valuable. So that's, that's Is the, that a website. It's called Ask Wonder. And so, and you know, it's an interesting story. They got started by going to elementary schools and like asking little kids to just saying, Hey, ask us any question. They got, why is the sky blue? You know, why are alligators green? What if the whole world farted at once? You know, they just asked ridiculous questions. And then they had these researchers go in and actually do functioning research for it. And that's how they kind of got their, their initial story, which is cool. It's really interesting. Well, I'm glad you had some takeaways from each story mentioned. Thank you for that. And thank you for a good break. We're going to dive right back into it, though, Michael. What is the best piece of advice you were ever given? Show me your friends and I'll tell you your future. Who do you hang out with? Who do you spend your time with? Um, in my youth, 
my future was not looking very bright. If you saw the friends that I hung out with for whatever reason, uh, probably some good ones. I didn't hang out with the best kids mm -hmm. and I wasn't the best kid. And uh, I got a lot of trouble because of it. Um, but once I started changing who I spent time with, I started changing myself. And now it's, it's, it's not that I don't just hang out. I, I have, I'm very friendly with a lot of people, but the, the people that I choose to resonate with that I spend time with are usually entrepreneurs mm -hmm. is that's, that's who I have. I get to discuss uh, the type of ideas I love discussing with, but I, I don't pigeonhole myself. I'll hang out with anybody who's good, mm -hmm. uh, but who's, who's a good human being and, and, and has some, something, uh, something interesting to contribute in the form of thoughts or uh, ideas, but um, genuinely, I gravitate towards people who are in entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial clubs. Because that's what I like. And I imagine, you know, if I was in the NFL, I would just be hanging out with other football players, talking about football because it's my passion, right? Yeah. So it's that's what I liken it to. But before that, it's 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 got to be good people. Um, so, and another piece of I know you only asked for one, but uh, I'll give you another one. It's um, Bad, it's something like uh, good people can make a bad deal work. Bad people can't make anything work. Yeah. So like the ca character first, are the people that you're spending time with, are they decent? Do they have good values? If so, you can make everything else work. Everything else can get in the line. I love that. Well, thank you for such great advice. And while we're on, I'm going to ask you for one more piece of advice. What is one tool you could recommend to our community of entrepreneurs, whether a book, app, some kind of resource? What is something you find value in? So we already talked about uh, firms of endearment. That's a huge one. Um, and if you look at their website, they show you the numbers of firms that focus on passion and purpose versus SMP and good to great companies and how uh, firms of endearment outperform. So co company culture is, uh, I would say, it wraps up wraps up the entirety of their book. The other one is Ask Wonder, mm -hmm. which is a great little research platform. Ask any question in the world. You know, they'll be at a bar one night, like want to know the most ridiculous thing. You just send it on over. Um, uh, th those would be the two two good resources, I think. Amazing. I oh, have... and then if you want to get freelance talent, hire from golance.com. Great freelancers there. Golance.com. That's his website. He's delivered a great episode so far. But before I let him go, Michael, which entrepreneur would you choose to have a conversation with throughout history, dead or alive? Dead or alive? Dead or alive? Throughout history, okay. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared for the dead or alive part. Alive would be John Ledger, the former CEO of T-Mobile. Um, he was. Uh, he was out there. I mean, dead. How do you not have? Uh, how do you not meet up with like Steve Jobs, right? Like, uh, like the, his, his mission was to put a ding in the universe. I think he did a little bit more than that. So yeah. I, I will give two. Alive would be John Ledger. Dead would be um, de definitely Steve Jobs. All right. Well, Michael, thank you again for stopping by. And one more time with your website for everybody. www.golance.com, G-O-L-A-N-C-E.com. Come hire a freelancer and let's help you get some work done. Be sure to head over to his website, and I am VincentALancy.com, at VincentALancy on all social media, and my YouTube channel is Vincent A. Lancy. Be sure to head there for the Writing with Authors series and exclusive speaking clips. We will see you next weekend for another show of That Entrepreneur Show. Michael, have a great weekend. Thank you, Vincent. Vincent.